This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. So in today's episode, we're going to be picking up at verse number five of letter number 19 on worldliness and retirement. And uh, Seneca kind of picks up in this verse uh, sort of where we left off in the previous episode, uh, talking about how his fame kind of threw him into this way of life when he was young, uh, into this very prosperous way of life, materialistically prosperous, uh, and how uh, perhaps that wasn't the best thing for him. And now he's returning, he's retiring from this public life and trying to find solitude so that he can uh, do what is within his nature to do, which is to write philosophy and to figure out the answers to these deeper questions of life, giving them to the future generations. So I'll read a few verses and we'll see where we come to, and then we'll kind of pick them apart and, and see what we can learn. So he says, quote, Would that you had the privilege of growing old amid the limited circumstances of your origin and that fortune had not raised you to such heights. You were removed far from the sight of wholesome living by your swift rise to prosperity, by your province, by your position as procurator, and by all that such things promise. You will next acquire more important duties, and after them still more. And what will be the result? Why wait until there is nothing left for you to crave? That time will never come. We hold that there is a succession of causes from which fate is woven. Similarly, you may be sure that there is a succession in our desires, for one begins where its predecessor ends. You have been thrust into an existence which will never of itself put an end to your wretchedness and your slavery. Withdraw your chafed neck from the yoke. It is better that it should be cut off once for all than gold forever." If you retreat to privacy, everything will be on a smaller scale, but you will be satisfied abundantly. In your present condition, however, there is no satisfaction in the plenty which is heaped upon you on all sides. Would you rather be poor and sated, or rich and hungry? Prosperity is not only greedy, but it also lies exposed to the greed of others. And as long as nothing satisfies you, you yourself cannot satisfy others. End quote. All right, so this is as good a spot to pause as any, and I'm going to go through and pick out a few things that stand out to me. Starting with where he kind of continues in verse 5, pointing out that perhaps it wouldn't have been the best thing for Lucilius, or perhaps for Seneca, uh, to have had such a quick rise to fame and prosperity in, in, in their lives, right, or in his life. Uh, and, and obviously the point that he's making is, uh, because as soon as you are thrust into that world of power and money and fortune, 
fortune and fame and and all this sort of stuff. As soon as you're thrust into that world, it can kind of train you to believe that that is what life is all about, that that is what is most meaningful and uh, and good about life. Uh, so you know, it's going to train you to 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 want more of those things that you might desire by being in that world. And there's certainly something that we can think about here, right? Because you know, one of the things that happens to us when we grow up is obviously we are taught by everybody around us uh, of what is good, what is bad, you know, what is useful, what is meaningful in life. And and we're kind of just this shell of ourselves by the time we get to our kind of late teens and, and early 20s, right? But our job then is to go into life, you know, headfirst, courageously, and tr- to try and figure out who we really are, right? To uh, to sift the, the, what is it, sift the, the wheat from the chaff, as they say. And so one of the big adventures in life is, as, as they said, the, the big Delphic maxim, right? Know thyself is to figure out who you truly are and also to develop a sophisticated philosophical understanding of, of what is meaningful in life and what is, what is useful, what is good, what is bad. Uh, and, and to not merely be guided by these kind of worlds that we are thrust into from a young age, right? And so Seneca is pointing out rightfully so here that, listen, you might have been thrust into this world uh, uh, from a young age, but that doesn't mean that that should be what guides you and that those desires should be the things that uh, that guide you in your life. You want to shed yourself of, of that weight uh, by developing a more sophisticated way of looking at the world. Uh, and that is the, the, the way that, you know, Seneca sees the world world according to stoicism. And so he's now saying, listen, retire, get away from this life and see what you could see if you left that stuff behind. And I think that there's a lot of wisdom in that because sometimes in life you cannot see something that you need to see unless you leave something behind. You know, unless you decide that I'm going to walk away from this world and I'm going to see if I can find a new way of being, which is exactly why Seneca says, why wait until there is nothing left for you to crave? That time will never come, right? He's making this point that if you just think that one day you're going to fall upon philosophy and wisdom, you're just going to fall upon this greater understanding of, of how to live a truly meaningful life and, 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 and to find yourself, as he talked about, uh, you know, and as we talked about in the previous episode, uh, you know, it's not going to happen like that. You're not just going to stumble upon these truths. You need to make a concerted effort, right, to actually find them. And he says that we hold that there is a succession of causes from which fate is woven. Similarly, you may be sure that there is a succession in our desires, for one begins where its predecessor ends. So he's kind of likening desire here, obviously, to the way that Stoics see fate. And as we've talked about before, the way that they see fate is very much in this kind of cause and effect way. Uh, you know, looking around us at this extremely complex cosmos that we're all a part of here and recognizing uh, that things are just happening on their own accord, right? And and when one thing happens, there has to be another effect from that happening that then becomes a cause of another effect, right? And so it's always churning. I think of the song, you know, it was always burning since the world was turning, right? Uh, and, and nothing in the universe stops, right? Nothing in the universe is just sitting there doing nothing. 
everything is in this process of change and flux, like Heraclitus talked about. And so, when Seneca talks about this idea that uh, desire is much like fate, he's basically saying, don't imagine for a second that your desire is one day just going to stop. It will not stop unless you take a concerted effort uh, to figure out a new way of seeing the world that, uh, that allows you to sit back into, into this kind of desireless state, right? But just don't imagine that it's just going to stop on its own accord. One desire is fulfilled, the next is immediately created in that instant. And this is why Seneca warns and says, uh, You have been thrust into an existence which will never of itself put an end to your wretchedness and your slavery. Withdraw your chafed neck from the yoke. It is better that it should be cut off once for all than gold forever, right? So he, he's really trying to convince the reader or himself or Lucilius, right? He's trying to convince that, that we really need to tear ourselves away from these default attachments that we have gained uh, from our upbringing or from, from uh, fortune giving us these gifts, right? We need to tear ourselves away from those defaults and find a new way of being. And so now that Seneca has really encouraged us to think about walking away from that kind of life in, in order to find something better, he tells us what would be better, right? So he gives us what's the promise here. He says that everything will be on a smaller scale, but you will be satisfied abundantly. He says, in your present condition, however, there is no satisfaction in the plenty which is heaped upon you on all sides. And what Seneca's really making here is a quality versus quantity argument, right? You might think of quantity as being the metric that we might use to uh, regard ourselves as successful in the material world. You know, uh, you can say, well, somebody is very successful if they have a nice car and uh, a nice home and a lot of money, you know, and all this sort of stuff, which is is quantifiable. But, but, but the quality of your inner world is what Seneca is after, which is why he says that everything will be on a smaller scale, right? The, the quality, sorry, the quantity, uh, but you will be satisfied abundantly in the quality of your internal world if you're able to truly find yourself and find this new philosophical way of seeing the world and this new new way of being, right? And, uh, and this is something that a lot of the Stoics uh, uh, teach in their writings. Even Marcus Aurelius said that, look, if you want to be happy, do less, but do it better. Right? And so, this idea that we are constantly seeking to add things to our life all the time, add this, add that, you know, get this, get that. They're saying, no, pull back a bit, right? Those desires that you have, they're not going to be the thing that satisfy you. Uh, what really is going to satisfy you is the quality of your internal world. Well, that's at least how I interpret this, this passage that Seneca writes here. And on that note, I might actually get you to think about the last time that you felt true inner joy in your life, you know, true meaning, you might say, in your life. Was it a time that had something to do with quantity or was it more to do with the quality of what you did? You know, whether it's doing a great job at your, at your career, you know, or whether it's, uh, uh, you know, being a good husband or father or mother or wife or, um, or child, whatever it is, you know, when you do your role, whatever it is that you're doing uh, to the best of your ability. Think about it like this. If, if you're planning to have a gathering with a group of your friends, uh, what is going to be the thing that leads to that being an extremely meaningful, joyful time with your friends? Is it going to be how many friends you have there? 
or is it going to be the quality of the interactions that you have with the people who are there? So in a sense, I believe that this is what Seneca is trying to get across in this letter. You, you need to move away from that world that you believe or that you have been led to believe by fortune uh, that is truly meaningful and, 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 and best for you in order to find a quality of life that is unsurpassed in terms of the material goods that we could have for ourselves or the fortune that we could get in our lives. And he asks the question, would you rather be poor and sated or rich and hungry? Prosperity is not only greedy, but it also lies exposed to the greed of others, right? And this question of would you rather be poor and sated or or rich and hungry, you can kind of look at this from two ways, because you can look at it in the materialistic version of what Seneca is saying, according to desire, right? Uh, which Which is that if you are in that mindset of always wanting more, 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 you will never be truly satisfied. So, in a sense, you will always be hungry because you will always want something else, right? So, he's saying, why don't you leave that behind uh, in, in favor of a, even a poor life if you have to, but still you won't be hungry, right? Because, as he said in previous letters, you will be training yourself to only need what nature gives abundantly, And so the proposition is, it's better to be poor and satiated than rich and hungry. It's better to be poor and happy than rich and unhappy, right? And again, talking about the quality of our inner world, not the quantity of our our external possessions. And so one thing that I, I want to finish off here, he says, as long as nothing satisfies you, you cannot satisfy others. And I guess the way that I would look at this is he's basically saying, if nothing satisfies you, which means that you are enslaved by everything in life, right? If you're just as much a slave as everybody else in the world, how do you think you're going to be of service to them? You know, it's basically like saying, if you can't take care of yourself, what makes you think that you'll be able to take care of anybody else? And, and that is certainly an idea uh, that we find in Stoicism a lot, like this idea of the, uh, the, the circles of concern, for example, uh, where you find that the, the principle is you take care of yourself first, right? Because you know that you can actually start there. You can definitely start with taking care of yourself. Once you've done that to a certain degree, you'll find that you can be more effective in expanding that circle of concern to then your family and then to your community and then to your country and then, you know, ultimately to the cosmos. But you have to start from somewhere and you start with yourself. And so Seneca is saying here, listen, uh, you're just as much a slave to, to these desires as everybody else. So don't be thinking that you're going to be of any use to anybody when you are just as sick as them, right? Okay, so I think this is a good place to pause, and uh, we're going to dive in from verse number 8 in our next episode and take that through probably to about uh, 10 or 11, and then uh, Seneca gives his quote from Epicurus at the end of the letter as well. We'll dive in there. Uh, But thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I'll talk to you next time.